This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Oh, what a frosty old, blustery old, wintry old day. Uh, careful underfoot if you're walking around. Uh, there's that little tiny skim of ice um, that uh, you might might catch you unawares. And if it catches you unawares, guess what? You're going upside down. So uh, please be careful out there. Also be careful on the roads. Lots of snow squalls being reported in areas especially where there's a lot of uh, uh, wind coming off the shore and the Doe Hills is still a bit tricky up that way. So please be careful. uh, Reduce your speeds and drive carefully. Well, the opposition, as you know, has been asking a lot of questions of late of Premier Andrew Fury about a fishing trip made last year with one of the major proponents behind a massive proposed wind and hydrogen project on the province's southwest coast. Premier Andrew Fury admitted in the House of Assembly when it was open that his, he does have a relationship with John Risley, they're good friends, and the fishing trip he was on with his father and Risley in the summer of 2021 was on his own personal time. Well, uh, the opposition wants to know um, whether or not uh, the proposed wind f- farm project came up during that trip, and they want to see the Premier's receipts uh, from the trip. The Premier has defended the trip and argues my dime my time and that there have to be um, and that there have to be boundaries sorry concerning private time he's indicated that he set up ethical walls surrounding that kind of thing but is the legislation surrounding conflict of interest and how decision making is carried out strong enough how do we compare to other jurisdictions well my guest today on on target is duff conacher of democracy watch in ottawa hello Hello, how are you? Good. So I understand you had a bit of snow as well, a little bit of an early winter. Yes. <laughs> it was an early winter in lots of places, not uh, as bad as upper upper state New York. No, Buffalo's getting nailed, feet. yeah. Um, but there, there it is. It's that time of year. It gives you a more Christmassy spirit, perhaps? Well, I was going to ask you... Um, outlining what has been going on in the House of Assembly prior to its closure for the uh, for the fall season. Um, is it a concern when a leader is close friends uh, who just happens to be a proponent of a major development project? Very much so. And the uh, conflict of interest act for members of the Legislative Assembly should uh, actually uh, cover as well uh, conflicts due to friendships. It only covers currently uh, conflicts of interest of the member's family, and it should also uh, cover friends, close associates, and have a general rule as well, which lots of jurisdictions do, uh, for example, at the federal level, which is that you just simply can't improperly further anyone or any entity's private interests. And that word improper is much broader uh, than what the specific rules may be in the Conflict of Interest Act and raises essentially anything that smells. So uh, that it's very important to have that broader standard prohibiting improperly, improperly furthering anyone or any entity's interests. So uh, what could have been put in place there to try and, uh, I suppose, mitigate against uh, some of the questions that are being asked here, or or at least improve the transparency? 
Uh, well, gifts are supposed to be refused. Um, and so uh, the, the the rule is there already. If, if there was any gift, any discount given for the stay at the lodge. Uh, but the main thing is these rules are enforced by politicians themselves and in Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's a conflict of interest. You can't be your own judge, uh, especially if you're a politician. And so um, there needs to be a, uh, an ethics commissioner put in place, someone who is fully independent. The commissioners across the country are not fully independent from the ruling party, uh, usually, or from politicians. The appointment process uh, ranges from bad to not very good. For example, at the federal level, the, the Trudeau cabinet has selected their own ethics commissioner, their own lobbying commissioner, their own information commissioner, their own parliamentary budget officer, and their own auditor general, who all enforce rules that apply to the cabinet. And they've used secretive, dishonest processes for choosing those people. It shouldn't be that way. It should be a fully independent appointments commission that comes up with a short list of qualified candidates. And uh, even better if that commission actually chooses the person. And no one on, on that uh, committee should have ties to any party or, or politician, uh, fully independent. It's, it's difficult to do in smaller jurisdictions like Newfoundland and Labrador, but uh, it can be done. And uh, if they're not selecting the, these watchdogs of democracy, then at least the short list of qualified candidates should go to an all-party committee so that uh, the, all the parties select a person together and, and no one party controls the process. That's how they do it in British Columbia, for example. Uh, and you just need fully independent people in these in these uh, positions and close all the loopholes in the rules and uh, have penalties as well. You know, across the country, you pay a higher penalty for parking illegally than politicians would pay if they're caught violating the most serious uh, violations of democratic good government rules. And that's just perverse. But politicians write the rules for themselves and set up their own enforcement systems, and they've set up weaker rules and weaker enforcement systems for conflict of interest, access to information, honesty, lobbying, ethics, than exist for parking illegally across the country. And the, and the penalties are lower as well. So it's a really bad system. Newfoundland and Labrador is one of the worst jurisdictions in the country in all these areas. And I want to ask you more about that when we come back after the break and talk you talk a, a little bit more about uh, the concept of an ethics commissioner. Our guest today on On Target is Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch. We'll be back right after this. Save the date. VOCM's Dial a Carol. Sunday, November 27th, 1 to 6 p.m. on your VOCM. Yes, today on On Target is Duff Conacher with Democracy Watch. And just before we went to break, uh, Duff, you mentioned that Newfoundland and Labrador is one of the worst jurisdictions in the country when it comes to conflict of interest and that sort of thing. Why? Uh, well, in terms of um, donations, that's one big area where uh, there aren't limits on uh, on donations, corporations, unions still allowed to donate. Uh, that's a big gap that only Saskatchewan and the Yukon still have across the rest of the country. Uh, donations by corporations and unions have been banned and limits have been placed on individual donations, not low enough limits, except in Quebec, 
where the limit actually is at a level that an average voter can afford. It's at $100. But uh, elsewhere, there are at least limits and these prohibitions. Um, you just have not a, a strong enough uh, system. There is the Commissioner for Legislative Standards uh, for the House of Assembly members, but uh, they don't have enough independence or powers. They're providing essentially opinions. And uh, you see this in a lot of legislatures, but there are some where the commissioner has the sometimes called the integrity commissioner or conflict of interest commissioner does have the power to impose uh, penalties for violations of ethics rules, which are key. The Supreme Court of Canada has ruled to have democratic government. If you do not have strong, strictly enforced uh, rules, then you will not have actual democratic government. And and uh, that's from a Supreme Court ruling in 1996. And still across the country, legislatures, including again, Newfoundland and Labrador, being one of the worst, um, where secret lobbying is, is allowed and there aren't strong enough rules or enforcement and donations and ethics. Uh, that um, we still do not have these strict, strong rules in place and, and strong enough enforcement systems and penalties to ensure everyone in politics is eth- ethical, honest, transparent. Is it that the legislation is absent or that the existing legislation isn't strong enough? Uh, in some cases, uh, the legislation being absent, as I mentioned, in terms of the uh, rules on on donations uh in other cases the as the ethics rules uh as i mentioned only covers conflicts of interest of the member of the of the assembly and their family it should also be covering friends and have this broader rule of uh prohibiting improperly furthering anyone's interests which would just be a kind of blanket catch-all that would cover all sorts of situations that uh technical loopholes in the rules may allow so you already indicated that it might be a little more difficult in uh, smaller jurisdictions like Newfoundland and Labrador. I mean, after all, people do know each other. So how how do you set up those kinds of um, ethical walls, as the premier has called it? Um, it's to ensure that you know the friendships you have uh, don't you know lead to serious questions about decision making. Well, the first is to actually uh, close all the loopholes in the rules. And then, uh, in terms of enforcement, have a fully independent commission searching for qualified candidates. And in small, smaller jurisdictions, um, where everyone may know each other, or everyone who may be qualified may still have too many relationships um, just because of their position in society with members of the assembly or, or people in government, then uh, the consideration should be made to actually hiring people who are from outside the jurisdiction. It's really important to have fully independent enforcement because the standard you're having to meet, which the Supreme Court of Canada has articulated, and it goes back to the old saying, uh, justice must be seen to be done, not just done. And actually the, the actual saying from that British court case is justice must be manifestly and undoubtedly seen to be done. So the public's perception of whether these rules are being enforced properly, independently, and and fully and strongly is key. And if you do not have a system that is fully independent, then that will always be in question. 
And politicians choosing their own watchdogs means that you're going to end up with lapdogs because anyone would love to choose their own judge. And it's a fatal flaw across the country, uh, a flaw that also affects many other administrative tribunals. But most importantly, these are key watchdogs that will enforce the rules that ensure that everyone acts honestly, ethically, and transparently in government. And they have to be arm's length, further than arm's length. If someone's arm's length away, you can still give them a shake and shake them in your direction of protecting you. They need to be more than arm's length away and fully independent. And no legislature across the country takes this seriously, uh, including Newfoundland and Labrador. And, and that's really key. And then there have to be mandatory penalties, a sliding scale depending on the seriousness of the violation. Because if everyone knows, oh, well, you know, all there is, is we've seen this at the federal level, a report will be tabled in, in the legislature saying you violated the rules. That's not enough. I mean, if you have to pay a fine for parking illegally across the country, then there have to be fines for uh, these kind of violations. Because these violations lead to abuses, waste, boondoggles, uh, and, and private interests being protected and the public interest being abused and undermined. And so there has to be a, a sliding scale of mandatory penalties if you're violating the public's trust. And it has to be really serious penalties to discourage these kind of behaviors by people in power who are abusing their power. So what is the role of an ethics commissioner then? Is it to examine these things? Is it for them to be there, for members to ask questions? Look, here's, here's the situation. How do I make sure that I'm within the rules? Yes. Uh, you need an independent investigator and judge. Uh, and you can rely on the courts. That is another way of going, is to uh, have the courts uh, make the rulings. However, you then have to examine the judicial appointment system. You know, for example, federally, the judicial appointment committees that come up with the long lists of qualified candidates, six of the seven members are chosen by the Minister of Justice from the ruling party. And then the minister makes the final decision after consulting uh, under the current Trudeau cabinet. The minister of justice consults only with liberals uh, before making the final choice from the long list of candidates as to who should be a judge. And that's not independent enough as well. Democracy Watch is right now in federal court challenging the federal judicial appointment system because it does not meet the standard of the public's perception uh, being able to look at it and say, does this seem independent enough? You know, you're choosing judges that enforce laws and uh, the ruling party controls the whole system in secret. Is that really a, a system that would give the public confidence that the rules will be enforced impartially and, and independently and fairly in all cases? No, and that's why we challenge that in court. We challenge the appointment of the federal ethics commissioner and lobbying commissioner in court and the courts ruled that they were both that the cabinet was biased when choosing them because they're choosing their own judges so if you're going to use the courts you have to then have a judicial appointment system that is fully independent from any politician or party and uh, the other way of going is to have these commissioners information commissioner lobbying commissioner uh, of course the auditor general uh, one of the oldest watchdog agencies across the country and again, though, they have to be cho chosen in a fully independent way. They have to be able to serve for a fixed term of office, be protected from being fired if they make a ruling that the 
politicians don't like, and they have to have the power to penalize and, uh, and full investigative powers as well, of course. So do many uh, provincial jurisdictions have an ethics commissioner or a lobbying commissioner, information commissioner? Yes, they do. And, uh, and they've been in place for, for decades. Uh, the first lobbying commissioner was uh, federally uh, uh, started in, um, with a person that was not independent enough. In, but the law was at least in place in 1988. Uh, and so, uh, and finally, the commissioner became more independent, not independent enough still, but more independent in 2007. BC has one of the better systems. It's an all-party committee that makes the final choice. So at least it's not one party choosing these people, but still it's politicians who do the search for the people. And politicians are not going to choose a tough judge. They're, the rules apply to all of them, not just to the ruling party members of the legislature. And so it really has to be a fully independent appointment process. Uh, and then, you know, you need strong rules federally and across the country because of the, most of the provinces have copied the federal law. Secret unethical lobbying is legal. Uh, and so the rules are not strong enough. Um, they're really a charade and a bit of a sad joke across the country because they uh, allow for secret unethical lobbying if anyone wants it. Ethics rules across the country, Newfoundland and Labrador has the same uh, kind of loopholes. As I mentioned, those should be covering friends' interests, private interests, and have an improper rule uh, acting improperly. But uh, they have the same loophole that's across the country, which is that politicians are actually allowed to be invested in businesses indirectly through mutual funds that they make decisions about. So they can profit from their own decisions. That's just a giant loophole that uh, someone who wants to profit from their public office will take advantage of, and it's legal. Do we have an ethics commissioner who who serves that role? Uh, The commissioner for legislative standards, but again, not having the the powers fully needed and and not selected in a fully independent way. Uh, The House of Assembly approves the person, but that's politicians choosing their own judge again. Uh, there's nothing in the legislation about the search process for finding a candidate. Uh, and, you know, if someone applied who really wanted to do a serious job, they're likely not going to make the short list. Because, again, everyone would love to choose their own judge. Who would you choose? Uh, one of your parents, if you had a good relationship with them, or your best friend? You know, that's, it's just can't be allowed. It's a fundamental rule of democratic good government and enforcement of law that you cannot choose your own judge. Uh, And yet politicians are allowed to do that across the country. No doubt you've been watching uh, this back and forth uh, concerning the chief electoral officer and the the, um, uh, provincial ombudsman, for want of a better word, citizens rep, um, over the last little while, and it sort of came to a head last week. I want to ask you a little bit about that when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is... Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch will be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. 
Our guest today is Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch. And Duff, uh, bear with me for a moment because this requires a little bit of history and it's really tangly. Um, so the citizens rep had uh, put together this report uh, based on some uh, complaints that were made within the office of the chief electoral officer. People came forward, they stuck their necks out um, and uh, made some allegations, some fairly serious ones about alleged bullying and harassment within the office. Um, the citizens rep... Uh, wrote a report, uh, presented it to the Speaker of the House of Assembly, and then it sat. And it sat and it sat and it sat, and it didn't come to the public's attention until an MHA who had been contacted, presumably by one of the people involved in the report, looking for a status update, saying, hey, where did the heck did this report go? They asked the question in the House of Assembly, uh, independent member Paul Lane, and then everybody was like, what happened? Where? What is this? What are we? We don't know anything about it. So that started a whole process, uh, and um, now Paul Lane is saying that the House of Assembly Accountability, Integrity, and Administration Act is full of holes and not worth the paper it's written on. It's a big, long saga, really. And in the end, uh, the uh, Commissioner of Legislative Standards had asked Bradley Moss, the citizens rep, to apologize to Bruce Chalk, the chief electoral officer. He says he's not going to do so because he's only doing his job. What does this mean? Does it have a dampening or chilling effect? How do you break it all down? Uh, well, I think just overall, it's a flawed enforcement system. That's the, the most uh, sort of overarching thing I can comment on. Um, whistleblower protection is also a key thing to have, and, and we don't see it again across the country anywhere as strongly as it needs to be uh, for people in politics. Um, often doesn't cover uh, lots of employees, uh, especially political staff, who are there watching cabinet ministers and and uh, members of the assembly uh, and, and their actions, and definitely should be covering political staff. Uh, but um, again, you, you should have more uh, robust, independent, and uh, permanent in terms of fixed-term office individuals who uh, can be investigating these situations and making final rulings. Of course, an appeal should be allowed to the courts, uh, but it shouldn't be the government deciding to uh, determine whether something should be reported on or released. And uh, there should be a requirement for all watchdogs to release reports when they're done. Um, doesn't matter if the legislature is open or not. They should have the right and the duty to release a report um, no matter when it is completed, even if it's in the lead up to an election, because the voters always have a right to know and denying them that right to know, uh, which happens a lot because these watchdogs often say, oh, I didn't want to release it because it's just before an election. Well, not releasing something is just as political as releasing it. And uh, you just need to have uh, a system where there are clear watchdogs in, in each area fixed terms of office, appointed in fully independently, full investigative powers, and the requirement to release uh, documents. Um, it's fine to have investigations conducted in secret, but uh, the details then have to be released as soon as they're done, no matter what the results are. And if that had been done in this case, then I think this would have been cleared up a long time ago. And 
and you would um, have whistleblowers uh, protected by because they would be going to someone that they could trust was fully independent and was protected themselves from retaliation. So what about this process whereby the report was presented as a speaker and then it sat in the speaker's office for ever so long? How should it have been handled? Uh, again, it, it should be uh, coming out as soon as it's done. There's, you know, that just should be part of the law, that it's required to be released as soon as it is uh, completed so that no one can sit on it. And uh, because, you know, delay often works with these situations. Uh, we're seeing that at the federal level, for example, with the investigation by the RCMP into uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and SNC-Lavalin. Uh, the RCMP has said nothing about that since August 2019. Well, I mean, that's just not right. It's a serious situation. There were allegations of obstruction of justice. And here we are more than three years later, and there's not hasn't been a word from investigators. Either they've completed the investigation uh, and are sitting on the results, or they have uh, it continues, and they should at least give an update that it's continued. And what some provinces do, and this is most regularly done in BC, and this goes back to my suggestion that jurisdictions should have people from outside the jurisdiction come in and serve in these rules. Uh, because of the independence that that offers. Uh, the system of a special prosecutor is uh, often used, um, appointing someone to investigate and oversee investigations as a prosecutor into these situations, someone from outside the jurisdiction. And uh, in BC, those reports are usually released uh, as well after the investigation is completed. And it offers a layer of independence, um, and you see the transparency. Whereas at the federal level, to give you another example, there are 11 lobbyists that the lobbying commissioner has referred to the RCMP to be investigated, and we haven't heard anything about that now for uh, more than two years, those 11 cases. And the RCMP likely and often just sits on uh, investigations, and, and that delay works. The news media turns to other things, so does the public's attention. And then people forget that there was this huge scandal that supposedly was being investigated, and nothing ever comes out, and no one ever knows whether lines were crossed or there, whether there was any wrongdoing in terms of what the investigators found. It just can't be that way. And, again, there should be a requirement to release all investigative reports as soon as they are completed. Do protection of privacy laws uh, hamper uh, transparency to a degree? In other words, do, do governments hide behind protection of privacy laws? They often do. And they make a claim that uh, people who are government employees uh, or anywhere in, in, in politics, uh, serving as politician, political staff, have a right to privacy. And, and it's used by a lot of the watchdogs, uh, seen it a lot at the federal level with the integrity commissioner who is responsible for whistleblower protection, releases a report and doesn't disclose the wrongdoers who had the whistle blowing on them because uh, claims that they have a right to privacy. When you're being paid by the public, you don't have a right to privacy if you've committed wrongdoing. Definitely not. And you know, all that does is allow you to walk away from your job if you are even penalized with being fired and go and, and put out your resume for other jobs without people knowing that you did wrong on your, your previous job. It's very dangerous. 
and it's an abuse of, of uh, the privacy rules, and it's actually, in most cases, wrong. Uh, there almost always is discretion to disclose the identity of wrongdoers, and, and so for anyone in government to claim that there's a right to privacy and, and because of that they can't disclose the identity of someone who's done wrong, they're usually lying. They usually do have that discretion to actually make the disclosure because uh, wrongdoing has been committed and because the person is being paid by the public and the public has a right to know. How do our uh, laws surrounding protection of privacy and transparency stack up against other jurisdictions? Uh, that's not an area that I uh, specialize in. Um, the Marcy Watch focuses more on, on the uh, accountability laws for democratic good government, which does include, of course, protecting personal information that the government gathers. Uh, but uh, it's just not an area we've really focused on nationally. Uh, we focus more on the ethics, access information, lobbying, and fair democratic election uh, rules and whistleblower protection across the country. Our guest today on On Target is Duff Conacher with Democracy Watch. We'll be back right after this. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. Our guest today is Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch. And Duff, there seems to have been a, a number of major projects that uh, have taken the general public by surprise with little to no previous public discussion. Uh, the, the whole wind power and hydrogen uh, announcement on the southwest coast in with Germany, obviously that would... Uh, indicate that there's been a lot of discussion prior to this. Um, and uh, the replacement of St. Clair's, those are a couple of things that come immediately to mind. But uh, we just came out of uh, Muskrat Falls. We're still living with all of that. Have we learned anything about the government decision-making process since Muskrat Falls? It's a problem across the country. Again, um, unfortunately, there should be a requirement in law that with significant decisions, there has to be a set period of public consultation that is meaningful. And uh, that means uh, in depth and, and setting up avenues for experts to be heard, uh, committee hearings uh, in the House for people to apply there, and town halls where uh, people can show up and, and make their voice heard. And uh, all stakeholders are heard as well. And it's just a great way to end up with decisions in the public interest. Um, a lot of provinces have it for environmental uh, or projects, either government or business, that have environmental impacts. They have environmental assessment acts. And those essentially require meaningful consultation before a, a project initiative can go ahead with the consultation focused on the impact on the environment. Uh, it should be extended to impacts on every aspect of society. And uh, there should just be a requirement on major decisions that there be a period of public consultation beforehand. It's just a way to prevent boondoggles and, and other abuses of the public and public interest and waste of the public's money. And unfortunately, it doesn't exist anywhere across the country. It's just at the whim of government the ruling party to decide whether to shove something halfway down voters' throats before even announcing it or to uh, consult before, in a meaningful way before proceeding. And that shouldn't be their discretion. 
And the media has a big role to play here as well. But uh, it seems to me that uh, um, from time to time you get the distinct um, impression. It's not more. It's more than just an impression. Sometimes media are actually blocked out. And I can remember during the ERPR testing, uh, breast cancer testing scandal. Um, what was it, 15, 10, 15 years ago that uh, it came out after the fact that, you know, why wasn't this information out there? And uh, one of the officials that were in Eastern Health at the time said, well, nobody asked the question. Are you kidding me? Nobody asked the question because we didn't know what was happening? How are we supposed to ask questions if we don't know? And it it, it, it was just this big circle of logic that uh, really was astounding. So what can be done to make governments more transparent? Well, the Access to Information Act, sometimes called the Freedom of Information Acts across the country, are so full of loopholes, they really should be called the Guide to Keeping Information Secret Act, because that's all they are. It's just a guide to people in government on uh, how to structure your discussions, decision-making, your records in a way that uh, will, will allow them to be kept secret from the public, even when the public has a clear right to know. It's because of the loopholes. Um, the, the lobbying acts across the country are, should be called the legalizing secret unethical lobbying acts because they just set out rules that say, oh, this is, we have this lobbying disclosure system, but it's only disclosure of some lobbying, and it legalizes secret lobbying. The ethics laws uh, are called the conflict of interest act. Usually they should, across the country, be called the almost impossible to be in a conflict of interest because they're so full of loopholes that they actually allow the premier and and cabinet ministers and top government officials to be invested in and profit from their own decisions in secret, usually, because they don't have to disclose their their, uh, financial interests in businesses that they make decisions about. And so, and of course, whistleblower protection is a great way to get transparency. Uh, but uh, there isn't a, a, a law. I mean, at, at the federal level, Canada ranks uh, uh, 60th in the world in whistleblower protection, and the provincial laws are even uh, weaker where they do exist. And a lot of provinces still don't have them. So th- that's the way to get transparent government. It's it's a struggle uh, because we're just chipping away. You know, when voters are asked about these questions, they want these reforms, but politicians write the rules for themselves, set up their own enforcement systems and their own penalty systems. And in every sector of society, they have set up stronger rules and stronger enforcement systems and higher penalties than they have for themselves. They're in a conflict of interest doing that. There's no way around it, though. They have the power under our Constitution to make these decisions. Uh, But no one should wonder why the polls show consistently that only 10% of Canadians trust politicians. Because if they're not going to make their own rules strong to ensure that they're effectively required to be honest, ethical, transparent, waste-preventing, and make representative decisions, then why would you ever trust them? It's just very clear. Uh, and But they roll along, and the opposition parties usually don't push very hard on this. They're more interested in playing gotcha politics and saying, look, you broke the rules again, you broke the rules again, rather than talking about cleaning up the rules, because they hope to win power themselves and abuse those rules and reward their own friends and lobbyist loyalists and party uh, loyalists and fundraisers and, and donors when they, when they possibly get into power. Uh, it's an affliction across the country. 
Uh, and again, it's it's not surprising that polls show consistently only 10% of Canadians trust politicians. What are you working on these days? Well, we have a bunch of court cases, mostly, unfortunately, ch- uh, challenging uh, ethics in lobbying watchdogs at the federal level uh, as well in Ontario because they haven't done their jobs properly because they're lapdogs. They were handpicked by the ruling party or by politicians overall to to not do their jobs. And so they're protecting lobbyists who have lobbied unethically and cabinet ministers who have made unethical decisions. Uh, we're challenging the snap election calls in, that are in violation of the fixed election dates in British Columbia at the federal level and also in New Brunswick and have court cases going on on those. And uh, pushing on all of these issues across the country. Anyone that going to democracywatch.ca can easily, with uh, one simple click, send a letter to their premier and their uh, local politician and their federal politician and the federal cabinet and, and party leaders calling for these key changes to ensure everyone in politics is required to act honestly, ethically, transparently, prevent waste and make representative decisions. And unfortunately, we're a long way away from that. Uh, we're, we're not a leading democracy at all. We rank in 50th to 60th in the world in all of these areas. And uh, and so we're far behind many other jurisdictions. No, no country does it perfectly, but there are many countries in all of these areas who are way ahead of Canada and, and at the provincial level, the provinces, and, and municipal level as well. Um, I saw that Newfoundland and Labrador now is a municipal code of conduct. You know, municipalities also make very important decisions, but municipalities get to write their own code. And in Ontario, choose their own uh, watchdog over that, and they've chosen mostly lapdogs. So it's, it's, it's abuses of power across the country, and we're trying to stop those abuses of power. And we also focus on the big banks that are gouging and abusing millions of Canadians every year and uh, trying to get the finance minister to put in some key measures that the U.S. put in decades ago to stop that abuse and gouging. That's a lot on the go. So um, uh, if anybody's looking for more information, democracywatch.com? Democracywatch.ca. .ca. We just Canada, yes. Fantastic. Well, Duff, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Lots to think about. Uh, thanks so much. My pleasure. Alrighty. Bye-bye. And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, do stay tuned. Um, we're going to hear a lot more this afternoon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And um, thanks for listening, everyone.